Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast from The Hub. Uh, how's it going, Kim? Very, very good. Just back from Salesforce Connections in Atlanta, which was a, a large event, quite fun. What did you learn? Um, uh, what one usually tends to learn at these events, which is that the, uh, the big vendor is adding lots more bells and whistles to its marketing suite. <laughs> okay. But talking, <laughs> talking of marketing suites, um, one thing I've just been reading is uh, an article published two or three days ago by uh, Chief Martech himself, Scott Brinker, and uh, he's discussing Gartner's recently released CMO spend survey and has some some really quite startling figures about marketing technology spend. Okay. Let me break it down for you. Um, I mean, in short, people are spending a lot on marketing technology, but it's the way it breaks down that's interesting. Um, according to Gartner, it's, I think it's a survey of about 400 companies, three, 300 to 400. Marketing technology represents 33% of the marketing budget, but 28% of that spend goes to infrastructure, servers, storage, networks, mm. which is surprising. Uh, let me give you another, another interesting one. Um, again, how the marketing technology spend breaks down, there's about, about a quarter of it is on software, 28% on infrastructure, and then over 40% on a mixture of cross charges for internal IT and charges for external services to develop, implement, integrate the applications. So it looks like people are spending a lot on marketing technology, but... On things that are not marketing technology. <laughs> exactly, things which sound prehistoric. So where does the, the server type stuff come in when ostensibly the services you would be buying, you know, the CMSs, the, the social media marketing, the marketing clouds, you would, I mean, is that service, server space for those or is it, this is just the cost of doing business, I guess? Yeah, I, I mean, that is what, what Scott Brinker speculates, um, more apps, more bandwidth, more computation, more data, he says. Even as cloud-based infrastructure gets cheaper, we're just consuming much more of it. Mm. Although it amazes me that we're consuming so much that it reaches that kind of proportion of the spend. Right. So what is his, is his takeaway that they need to allocate more budget or that this is a sort of a, an issue that has no easy solution? Well, I, I think the latter. I don't think anyone's got any, any smart solutions to this, but I think it's it's a remarkable thing to have uncovered. And I mean, the other thing which is surely striking after, for the last few years, we've all been talking about how uh, business teams are bringing in their own cloud-based solutions, because you, you just sign up, you pay for it, you don't need anyone to install it for you, and it's still all these costs going to IT. Now, is that a good thing, because IT is getting involved in the marketing technology spend, or is it just a surprising, a surprising outlay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, and you've written about how how all facets of the organization are sort of being involved in the decision making for marketing technology, um, and so it just 
I don't know. I mean, it might just be a matter of cl- uh, classification or characterization, but it just seems weird that so the the people interviewed were were definitely marketers, or it was just people in companies. Yeah, um, about three hundred and forty marketers from a fairly widespread of verticals, a lot of them in financial services and uh, and technology. Right. I guess I'm just wondering whether there are operational additional server expenditure, like is marketing bearing the brunt of all of the server responsibilities that a business needs to run its operations or is that server cost actually, you know, storage and all that, is it actually even higher than, than that? Yeah, I mean, that must be a difficult thing to quantify, I mean, how much of the infrastructure is allocated to marketing as opposed to, to other, you know, business teams who are benefiting from mm-hmm. Well, definitely something we'll continue to monitor, I'm sure. Absolutely. And uh, on, I don't know if I want to say the lighter side, but the slightly zanier side of things, this this whole Facebook story, which kind of blew up and settled down. Facebook trending topics, a fairly new feature. Was it deliberately suppressing conservative viewpoints, as I think an ex-employee said? Or is it completely innocent? Now, uh, you've seen in the news that a bunch of um, representatives of conservatism were invited to sit down with Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg to talk about this. And most of them came away convinced that Facebook's hands are clean, although there's still plenty of conspiracy theories out there in the blogosphere. But the question I wanted to ask was, let's assume Facebook is doing nothing wrong, but why shouldn't it? This is, uh, Trending Topics is clearly run by an editorial team. It's an editorial function. Right. Why shouldn't they prioritize whatever they like? Because it, it depends on whether you come down on the side of the argument that they are... I mean, what is Facebook? Is Facebook a media company? Is it a utility? Is it the internet? Um, the question of, or the answer you give as to what Facebook is makes that the the thought that they're suppressing a particular political um, opinion uh, either, of course they're doing that because they're a media company, or they are the internet, they are utility, that's a suppression of, of, you know, of, of speech. And, you know, my takeaway from this is I suspect that And if you actually read all of the commentary that Gizmodo had about the the, the source uh, and their follow-ups and the other follow-ups that, you know, the obviously day two, everyone else in the press is going to be writing about it, is that they were reluctant to use sources they were uncomfortable with mm-hmm. the veracity of, of that. And... I think that, you know, if you were to look at, I think there's just this general conservative point of view that most, you know, the beautifully termed mainstream media are liberal in nature, um, but those are, you know, organizations with a lot of staff, a lot of reputation for getting things right, even if they have a different ideological bent. So... I think if you were to look at it, there are probably 
conservative upstart publications that your average conservative would say, this is a real journalistic uh, um, enterprise that the Facebook editors would disagree with. But I would say the same thing, that if you look at some of the, like, very, the equivalent of those publications on the left, they're probably not getting in trending topics as well. It's probably, you know, the Times, Mike, um, BuzzFeed, and, you know, uh, so I think the the debate was always going to be that conservative viewpoints weren't expressed as much as, as liberal because the argument from conservatives will be that most traditional publications are liberal in nature. Okay. So, I th- yeah, I think that's fair enough. But, and I, I think the reliability of the reporting is important. For example, if I was sitting there choosing a link for a news story, even if it was the same news story on the BBC, CNN, Breitbart and the Drudge Report, right. my, my choice of link would probably be from one of those first two, right. just because I know that the reporting resources are so much bigger right. and well-tested. Right. Well, yeah, and, and I suspect that that happens a, a lot. I mean, I don't know that anyone can. I don't know that anyone did, and I don't know whether it's possible to actually test that because we're dealing with one anonymous source who yes. you know could be a game of telephone where this is what was conveyed to him or conveyed to someone who conveyed it to him or her um, I don't doubt that I, I think the issue that blew it up more is Facebook has pretty much implied if not directly said that the trending topics decision making was algorithmic yes and so it was a surprise that i mean it wasn't a surprise that facebook has hired journalists because we work in the media world media twitter will always talk about how you know there have been plenty of stories about how these silicon valley companies are hiring editors to serve in some editorial function but there was a bit of chagrin that Facebook was being less than honest about how those topics were um, determined. Facebook is a Silicon Valley company that is outside of its, its libertarian bent, which oftentimes aligns with conservative politics. You would suspect that it's young, um, highly educated people, you know, all the sort of touch points that you tend to associate with, with liberal thinking. Um, so you had editorial and also editors hired from the media, which is also considered to be liberal. So all of these humans that are likely liberal making editorial decisions, it's just, you know, it again comes back to what Facebook is and what how you see it and how you see um, Facebook will color your opinion about whether this is a thing at all and and or how big a thing it is. And I I would ask you, I'll tell you what my thoughts are and you tell me what your thoughts. I think Facebook is for some people the internet and, you know, we can argue for days whether that's a good thing or not. Spoiler alert for me, I think it's not a great thing. 
um, but they built a product that convinces a lot of people that they can get everything they need. Um, so, you know, Facebook, Facebook has chosen to enter into the media sphere in that, you know, they started as user generated content. It's what you share, but now they have a trending topics, um, that pulls in headlines and, you know, they have to think about, I think at the end of the day, they just have to be honest. And I think if they were to say, all right, this part of Facebook is editorial in nature, it's run by an editorial team, and we are going to take the following approach. I think, you know, you're going to get few conservatives, if, if, and if they say we want to be liberals about it, you're going to get few conservatives that are going to say, I'm going to boycott the whole thing. We'll just not pay attention to that. Yeah, they've got plenty of followers on Facebook. I, I think you're right. I think I just... I just say clarity as much as honesty. It's Facebook does seem to have a long-term problem of expressing clearly just True. what it's doing with these things. Although I, I do say that I think it's partly the scale and partly the nature of the topic, right. politics. Because if somebody had launched a relatively successful successful social media channel, which had a business plan of going after millennials, and they started boosting topics which appealed, appealed to millennials, no one would turn around and say, stop doing that, you're a public utility. Right. Yeah. I, I think their, your, your point on clarity is a very good one. I suspect that they eschew clarity because clarity means that they have to be declarative. And I think they'd rather release things, see how people take them, and then tweak them. And it's just harder to peel back from, we release this to do this. And everyone's like, we don't want that, or we don't want it to do this. It's easier if you don't declaratively say what it is to make those tweaks and those pivots to turn it into something else. Right. Maybe we should conclude with a headline from The Onion, which of course means it's not a real headline. And I may not have it quite right, but it's something like, Mark Zuckerberg queries whether Facebook should be your sole news source. Wait, what did you say? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg queer as well as Facebook should be your sole news source. <laughs> and for a number of people it is, and that's, you know, there's, we could do a 10-part series, a podcast on, you know, how this, the internet, which is ostensibly the greatest um, repository of information as possible, makes it dead easy for anyone to only learn only read the things that reinforces what what they already believe but you know that's that that act action that mentality that um structure has been around as long as you know the printing press has been so the internet just makes it more more apparent but let's let's try and this wide digression which we planned but um let's try and tie it back to the original intent of, of what we set out to talk about weekly. Is there any, like, is there anything that corporations should think, like, does this create any sort of, uh, any sort of thing that could be portentous for corporations in their, they're speaking, especially, you know, considering 
corporations on both sides, you don't see as much um, corporations going out of their way to um, vocally support some of the the gender bathrooms uh, bills that are popping up in states, but you definitely see a lot of corporations um, against it, you know, threatening to move headquarters, threatening to close down stuff. You know, is there, like, is this a larger speech issue that Facebook is going to have to grapple with that could find itself um, impacting corporate marketing? That's an interesting question. I mean, as you say, I think, you know, I don't want to be too general, but I think most corporate marketing would be more or less in tune with Facebook's approach. If yeah. that was Facebook's approach, which, of course, Facebook denies, uh, certainly uh, you, you would have some companies and some brands out there who would not want to be identified with a social channel which favored certain, I suppose, liberal progressive points of view. Right. But again, the scale of Facebook, if you want to reach people, most of the people you're reaching out there don't really care about this. And you, right. you want to get your marketing message to them. Right, because, I mean, it, it is sort of interesting that you can create in Facebook your own little bubble. So if you're company X or if you're, you know, conservative voice Y, yeah. you create a page, you get your people from all your channels to like that page, and then you message them the things that you want. And, and Facebook is probably never going to be in the business of like trying to suppress that speech because, you know, as uh, Michael Jordan famously said, Republicans buy shoes too. Um, so, you know, it, it, I think a lot of people said, especially because the next wave is, is, is mobile, and there were definitely some commentaries about people saying, I didn't even know this thing was in existence because I only use Facebook on my mobile phone and apparently the trending topics uh, is not featured there at all. So, um, I just, me, it always struck me as a little bit hollow, the argument that it's not a big part of Facebook strategy or it's not on mobile, so it's not gonna matter anymore. The, you know, I think we both seized upon clarity and honesty just say what it is and and you know because the reality is there's a lot of people if, if you want to consider Facebook a civic good or you know capable of, of civic um, education as with anything you should have a better set you should have some sense of this is what we intend to do and so Mark Zuckerberg always wants to present Facebook as more than just a that's a very successful company. Right. Well, that was a, a lot about Facebook and conservatives and um, and media. Uh, but you know, hopefully you found that interesting. Hopefully, um, you know, you've been if you've been thinking about this subject as well, we gave you food for thought. Uh, but so we'll we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thanks again, Kim. Um, do you have any? Not to put you on the spot, but do you have any guests coming up? I, I do. In a couple of weeks, I have a very interesting CEO of, of a social media management company. I shall say no more. Okay. Well, um, in the interim, you might have me. You might be listening to me until that one comes up. But 
uh, hopefully the the mix of, of Kim and I talking and then Kim talking to guests is uh, is is good for you. But uh, let us uh, see you next week. Thanks, everyone.